0: Welcome to the podcast, Transformations. My name is Nick Bank, and I'm your host. On this podcast, a guest first shares a personal story of transformation, then listen back to it and reflect on their own experiences. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Transformations. My name is Nick Bank, and for this episode, I have my guest, Chris currently Living in Denmark, Chris? Yes. Yeah. So, Chris, you and I, we know uh, a, a bit of each other through INSAT, but if you were to describe yourself to the listeners, how would you do that?
1: Personal introduction I, okay, so like what Nick said, uh, I live in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark now, but I'm originally Indonesian. So, when I grew up, I was raised very Asian, so to say, like a very a more conservative. Catholic, um, Chinese, Indonesian, I moved to France in 2020 for INSEAD and then we, I went to uh, Co- uh, to Copenhagen right after and I now work here at Mers. and what you're seeing is one of the new meeting rooms in the new part of Mersk, which is just uh, finished uh, this year. If you get a chance to visit Copenhagen and you have a friend in Mersk, it's a good idea, it can be a good idea to visit the office nice place yeah and we have a very fantastic uh, we a very nice bistro and i'm also currently the global pride lead uh for merce so i run the whole pride community globally and i have my leads in places like chile canada us and japan italy south africa i just took a note like this morning so i can, yeah, yeah. I can just say oh sure. but and on my day job in MERS which for which I am actually getting paid for. Yeah. Um, I'm currently leading the product development for our last mile product in Europe. But by the time this podcast is out, I pro- probably have moved to my new role. And mm-hmm. if this is already at that time, i my an that I'm the global head for middle mile and last mile process standards and governance for MERS.
0: you go a little plug for your next uh next assignment a little plug yes. yes so i hope this
1: will be released at least after one august so then it will be right there and then
0: yeah we can make that agreement yes, yes. yeah <laughs> that's a good yeah so where we're sitting here in in, in the espadaden office is overlooking you know to the to the old military uh area across you know where you see the submarine the seal and it's a beautiful day it's midsummer today yeah um hans often yes Saint hans often exactly and uh it's a really special day for for many Danes, and we've just had a, an exceptional uh, IMD and said LBS event here at Esplanade, where your company CEO gave a, a speech, as well as the uh, professor from from IMD. So a great way to start, I think, from any like a vacation season coming up. <laughs> so, uh, in in terms of the, the 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 pride your pride work, how, how big is the Maersk, shall we say, community Do you have? So. This is the challenge with Mersk, right?
1: Mers uh as a company, AP Muller has a lot of subsidiary companies and like adjoining companies which is which all have their own community. So you have you know people like us here, the office community, you have people well, the seafaring community, you have people in the warehouses, you have people in the terminals and they're not all, not at all connected in the same way. So one of the challenge that we have as uh, Global Pride is that how do we make sure these people reach us, uh, so how do we reach these people and how do they get information? Um, first, we are now as if I remember our um, DEI page, uh, the last one, I think we are more than 110,000 people now spread across hundred more than 130 countries around the world mm-hmm. with obviously so many different backgrounds so many different cultures and in a lot of places it's not even safe to be um, part of the lgbtq community so officially the people that we reach uh, in our through our communication channel is around 400 ish but that number does not tell the full number because even in copenhagen alone. For Copenhagen Pride, we had more than 750 registrations, um, which is much more than any of the previous years. And I also know we have a lot of people who reached out personally to our leads and we directly suggest them not to be official members in the Yammer or in the Teams because they live in the country where that is not accepted. And for us as Maersk, our employees is always number one. Their safety is number one. We can't compromise on that.
0: It, and it, it sounds amazing, the both the, the developmental journey that the companies go through, but also, you know, the, seriously, the changing of the, the, the membership of, you know, of the group. Um, we were just told a few minutes ago that 40% of the more than 100,000 people, 40% of those have been here less than two years. So such an immense change in, in, in the population, right? And, and... I, you know, I used to work here many, many moons ago <laughs> and I, I look around and I see so many uh, young people. I see people from all over the world all, doing so many different and exciting things. So it must be a, just an exciting time to be here also. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the time we talk about this with the time
1: when you were here, yeah. if you wear something what like what I'm wearing now, you're probably getting, get asked to go home
0: and never come back. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's true. I think that's true. So, um. Talking about transformations, um, what would be your definition of, of transformation or of a transformation?
1: I think in our world right now, everyone associates transformation with something that's colossal, something that's massive. But for me, transformation just means a change. It's just a fancy way that says, oh, you're changing from A to B. It can be something small. It can be something big. It doesn't really matter and there's can be a few aspects right there's going to be your personal transformation where it spans either your personal development um or your career transformation and then you talk about business transformation that means you're typically talking about now culture transformation or like business model transformation or technology transformation digital transformation fancy way now um so there's so many different kinds and i don't think it would be fair to give one definition, a better definition than another. I like to keep t- keep things simple. That's mm-hmm. part of my job. It's just a
0: change once to another. Okay. Thank okay. you. It was interesting to hear your CEO's uh, definition of transformation. At least it was, and I've actually heard uh, one of my other guests also share that perspective, namely that it's not, you know, transformation, it's, it's sort of like a plan. You won't know. And you know, if it worked until afterwards, right? Yeah. So it's sort of interesting to say that sure we can have all and ideas and ambitions, but we won't really know until afterwards. Right. I thought that was an interesting yeah. perspective. So for you, it is just a change.
1: It's just a change yeah. because in the end, a lot of transformation happens without you even realizing it. Either. The planned transformation, like what the professor said, a lot of them fail spectacularly, Yes. but the one that comes from the small things, the grassroots transformation—that's the ones that persist. That's the one that lasts a long time. You know how Merce even starts on the Pride Journey as a whole company. It was not planned. It it started in around 2015, 16. Um, Thomas, if you see this video and I mess up the dates, please don't kill me. Um, the that at that time, uh, do you know Captain Thomas? Yes. Yeah. So he was interviewed by. Uh, Danish seafaring magazine as a gay captain and that sparked a lot of conversation of something that he thought it's gonna be like you know a small feature in the magazine like half a page somewhere and not like front page and and so that sparked the conversation then he got a slap uh, he got um, a little bit of a slap uh, on the wrist on like, hey, don't do that. You need to tell the social media and the communications thing. If you're going to do a public interview like this, that's going to be that big. And he did not expect that, right? Mm. But that sparked, okay, how does MERS executive? How do we as a company approach this? Should we step back or should we move ahead? Mm. And I mean, if you can see now, we doubled down. On yeah. We completely went through. And it all started from someone getting a little, getting an invite to do an interview that he thought going to begin you know, with something personal. I'm just a gay captain. I yeah. share very
0: simple. Oh. So what is the story that you want to share of transformation for, for this podcast?
1: I think, um, I will spare you the business or the career kind of transformation. Cause I think that's honestly a bit boring. So I'll go a little bit more on the personal side and it, how it aligns with the business side. Mm-hmm. So as I said earlier, I grew up in a very more Catholic conservative, um, conservative uh, Chinese Indonesian family. And I grew up going to the church every week. Uh, I went to Catholic school for juniors, high school and high school. And being part of the LGBT community, that is not, it is hard to be myself and given the context of being in indonesia where um gay rights the concept of gay rights i don't think even exists and there's now it's now very difficult it's not even possible to talk about it so growing up it's always a bit of a struggle on the personal identity and when i was 14 15 so around high school junior high school i already know what my like I have an inkling of what my preferences are, of what I like, what I don't like. But I just keep on lying to myself like for a very long time. And then I entered the business world where I work also with a lot of um, public sector. And if you think private sector, people are conservative. Oh, my God, public sector, people are even more conservative. And this applies, I think, everywhere in the world, right? Not just in Indonesia. Um, So it's even more okay. I can't. Talk about it. I can't be open. So whenever I get asked, "Oh, do you have a, do you have a partner? Do you have a girlfriend?" and I no, I don't know. I don't have that. Yes, and that goes uh, for a long time, right? And then it changed. Uh, now this is where transformation happens. Um, I started my my working journey at Microsoft which is globally a very accepting company is very inclusive company. Um, but they did not have representation of the LGBT community in, um, Southeast Asia not in, Southeast Asia, sorry, in Indonesia. Um, so it was kind of like starting to push to me that, okay, it's okay. I can start to be open, but I just need to kind of like select, like who i be open with. And then when I moved. Uh, to another firm and then I moved to consulting to Accenture in 2017 they have like a local pride community in Indonesia uh, nobody is out, out but it's clear that it's pride it's LGBTQ plus an allies community and that helped me feel comfortable and be able to be open about it in the workplace and when that happens then I become I become more authentic in the workplace. I can speak about my personal life. I can connect more like with other people. And that in turn also helps my career because then people can connect with me better and they feel more personal and they're more willing to help me. And after that, that's at the point where like, okay, I can be out to my workplace and I feel quite safe doing it. And then I went to INSEAD in France, which is a whole different environment. And that's where I, that's where I, with all the people that I meet, it's uh, that's the point where I change and become, okay, I can be public with anyone that I meet here. I don't need to really care about whether they work here, they study here and such. France is a very welcoming country, Inside is a very welcoming community. So that was fantastic. And then I moved to Copenhagen, uh, where it's very open. And then, because it's very open and it's very um, accepting, then I become even more public. And now I got somehow stumbled to lead the Global Pride of MERS. That was not planned at all, Mm -hmm. right? And here you are. You see me here today and taking up a very interesting role very soon. And I've been blessed to do very interesting things in this company in the MERS transformation.
0: I, I want to ask you a personal question, and you you can decide not to answer. Yes, but you talk about your work, you talk about school. but What about your family? You know, because I'm, I would assume mm. that they they are in the old culture or in the other culture.
1: That's another transformation journey. Okay. So my mom knew mm. about. Uh, she knew I was uh, not straight. In mm. I'm so bad with years. 2018 um where she met my part when she met my partner for the first time um we didn't say we're partners but um she realized kind of and she asked me directly whether that was just a friend and I'm like, yeah no that's my partner um she had a hard time like accepting it and reconciling it with her um previous with her beliefs with the religion and everything and it was uh, she was still kind to me don't get me wrong and she was uh, trying to be supportive in what I do but I it was very clear that um, she's a little bit struggling internally um, and after couple of years and then um, I managed to find like a priest in Indonesia that does work with the LGBTQ community I introduced uh, the person to her and through like uh some counseling, some discussions, and like she managed to like be a little bit uh closer to that and now she's uh she's very supportive with it. And like a couple of months ago I had my uh wedding here in Copenhagen and she was here. Um so that's another situation. I didn't talk about my dad because surprisingly, I um both me and my mom thought it's gonna be um a challenge. But he only knew last year and he didn't really care and like yeah okay so when me and my partner visited Indonesia end of last year uh, no beginning of this year like 1 to 4 January or something um so we stayed at my parents place and my dad was very welcoming it was um
0: it's very it was very interesting that that did not went like expected, but in a good way Yeah. So when you say that he didn't care, you mean that he wasn't bothered. He wasn't annoyed, but it wasn't, it was not a big thing for him. It was as long as you're happy or what was his perspective? Do you think? I think he's just, is just more like,
1: I mean, it's your life. Like, yeah, I'll just be supportive as a parent. Um, And that was, uh, that was good. He didn't take it personally. He didn't think that oh did I
0: raise you wrong or kind of thing. So yeah. Thank you, Chris, for sharing your experience. Now is the time on the podcast where, through the wonders of modern technology, and I don't know if some of the young people out here are working on that, but we're going to be experiencing time travel. So, you know, I'm going to snap my fingers, (laughs) and then when the listeners come back after the break, a week will have passed, and you will have listened to yourself, maybe watch yourself. Yeah. And we'll talk about your reflections. So see you in a week. See you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Bye now. Christian. Hello again. Hello. Thank you for coming back on the podcast today. You're welcome. Happy yeah. here. Yes, it's actually me visiting you here in, <laughs> in Espenaden again, um, and it's 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 now a week later. So, um, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very good. Thank you. Yep. I managed to hear the recording. It was a
0: interesting, uh, yeah.
1: interesting to hear myself
0: there. Good. I'm I'm just so curious. How was it for you to listen to yourself on the podcast?
1: Um I think for me I got I'm used to listening my own voice mm. in recording so it's not a surprise and I got and I've if you've seen the MERSC official LinkedIn or the the social media you've seen me a couple of times and I've watched that many times because through the editing process and such because it's all not one recording right mm. so the voice and everything is there like it's normal uh, for me though I was surprised That I didn't think I went that vulnerable, but that was, um, but I think I I went what I said. It was all authentic, Mm. but it was all like it was surprising that I let myself be at that level of vulnerability. I thought I was a bit less than that, Mm. but I was happy from what I hear, and yeah, it was totally honest.
0: Yeah. What are your reflections after after listening to yourself? My
1: reflections was... I think I've come a long way. Like in being authentic, in being honest, in allowing myself to be vulnerable and not putting up a mask all the time. Mm. And I also realized that it reflected in the gestures that I do, that mm. if I look at myself like 10 years ago, 8 years ago, I remember that when I do presentations or when I do these kind of like discussions, I use much less gestures and expressions Mm -hmm. and it didn't occur to me how much I use like, you know, like hand gestures or like change in expression Mm -hmm. or the change in like um, tone in the way that I speak Mm -hmm. and the adjustment of speed in depends on which part of what I
0: uh, discuss. Uh, That was interesting. Mm -hmm. One of the key points that I that I got out from, obviously also uh, listening and, and, and viewing the video, was your, your key point about being authentic. Um, and I, I wonder if there's a link back to your own uh, definition of transformation. Remember, you talked about it yes. being just a change. Yes. And yet here you are, right? Yes. So do, do you think there's some sort of connection between those two things, the, the journey that you have been on and then... Yeah. The, the role of being you know more authentic
1: I think it's like what we
0: discussed
1: a little bit well what I spoke to before on a lot of times it's not planned and a lot of times it's those change step by step little by little mm. like over a long period of time that it's a change and it becomes some sort of a transformation mm. and that's what happened also right like when I was younger and I was more closed off to the world mm. and I always think that there's a certain persona I need to project to the world. There's a certain um there's a right way of doing things. And over time it becomes a little bit more, yeah, screw it. I'll do
0: mm-hmm. I'll do what's right for me. I'll be honest. Yeah. So where where do you think that that change comes from? This this element of going from, should we say other people's expectations to you? Quote unquote, just becoming mm-hmm. yourself. Where, where do you think that switch happened and, and, and what led to it, maybe?
1: I think the surrounding factor changes a lot, right? Because, and that's what highly supports any change. Because when 10 years ago, I just started in the workplace, mm-hmm. which means that I felt the need to prove myself that I'm not just a fresh grad, because often the, often the, The prejudice towards fresh freshmen is that they're (laughs) dumbasses, like they're new to the workplace, they don't know anything, they're here here to waste your time, like often, you know, came there to the workplace and like, oh I need to prove them wrong, that I can do it, that Mm. I'm not struggling and those kind of things and that made it hard, right, to be able to say, oh I'm sorry I don't know, Mm. can you help me understand what exactly is needed here? I'm. It's a con. Like, it's a weird thing that ten years ago I wasn't comfortable doing that, but now I'm perfectly comfortable doing that because the support system is different. Over time, when I've have started to build experience in the workplace, that I've had, I've worked in uh, big companies. I've ran my company, my own company before. It changes the perspective a little bit that I don't need to prove myself. Mm-hmm. And that I think was the realization and letting that sink in is the key driver. Because it's always easy, right? To say, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, don't think about it. Yeah, but still. Yeah. I,
0: I think it's interesting that you place a lot of emphasis on the, as you call it, the the surroundings. You can call it the environment of the, the support system, right? Because, you know, here we are in sunny Copenhagen. Last time you talked about, you know, the role of the, um, of the the pride community and at the same time okay. you are also highlighting that there are many areas where it's actually not you know safe to be part of this element. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the factors that 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 you think is important to create this sort of not only physical safety but also psychological safety within this group
1: mm-hmm.
0: for for people to you know be themselves? That's a very loaded question. Yes you know that <laughs> is, or I could say, are there any things, are there some specific elements that you try to create in order for, you know, to create a, a safe environment where where people can be tr- tr- true to themselves, be authentic, whatever mm-hmm. that means?
1: I think there's a different kind of um, being authentic, right? There's the kind of authentic to express your opinion, Mm. Then last time what we talked about it was more about authentic to be myself and to admit uh, who I am if I'm not part of like the majority. Mm. If we talk about the free the authentic in terms of opinions, I honestly think it starts from the leadership mm. and what is the signal that the top leader, the middle management, and the line management. Mm. What's the what do they say? What kind of jokes do they make? It's very important. What kind of reaction they have when someone speaks up. When the reaction is like, the first reaction is negative, then of course your team will learn not to, not to speak up or share their opinions. And for the authenticity to be someone's personal selves, look at the jokes that people are making. Mm-hmm. That's typically the... The signal. It's not about the CEO telling the company that yes, we support, uh, we would like more women
0: in the leadership, we would like to uh, be more inclusive to people with disability. So coming back to the environment, it, I think it's interesting to, to have first, to, to hear you share your story about first it was the environment that was not supporting you to your own experience of being, you know, self-authentic to now oh. being in an environment where you can where you can experience that. And I'm thinking whether there are, you know, other things that, that, that we can take away. So one thing is, you say, the environment, another part is then the role of management. Mm. And then you say something about, it almost sounds like, um, if not, you talk about jokes. I know Danes are notoriously bad for using satire, which is a way of expressing something that we that we mean, and it can be very rude mm. and very mean, actually. Mm. And um, and it, it, it must be difficult in a in a you know such a global company to find out what's actually uh, you know uh, yes. as we say allowed or okay to talk about, mm. right? One
1: thing about the Danes though was from my experience with the Danish people here. Yeah. They have a high self-awareness of that. One of them, one of my first days when I got a bit like I met a couple of Danish people, and then one of them told me directly to my face, "Chris, if I don't insult you, probably I don't like you." Oh. That's just how we joke. Okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um thanks for thanks for the notice. Yes. Thanks for the notice. Yeah. If I'm too kind with you and I'm very pleasant and I'm too I'm very politically correct, it mm. really means I don't trust you. Mm. And that's what um that seems to be the sense I'm getting from how most Danish people yeah. joke and talk and uh, like banter with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's I don't know, because sometimes it can um sometimes you can sense whether the joke is made in good humor or the joke is coming from a place of sorry to say but a little bit of ignorance Mm -hmm. and there's usually a very fine a very thin line but it's a fine line
0: yeah so how do you feel about that I mean do you feel that you constantly have to be on guard or are you now so we say properly assimilated or you know because you know being here at Espenham 50 that's not you know, Denmark as a whole, this is a, no. a very strange little community. This is a village onto itself. Right? <laughs> yes. That, that, uh, but maybe there's something special here, right? Indeed. Yeah? Because most of the people
1: here also realize that. And they, most people, I think, have the awareness mm. of how things can come across from with people from other culture. Mm. I've only seen... Uh, not to say that everyone's perfect of course i've i've seen and met with a couple that's very how you say um unaware mm. let's put it that way they it's maybe they haven't integrated mm. to the community or to the culture but it's often yeah for some people i think it could be difficult and maybe they're also like Maybe they're here for only a month or two months, mm-hmm. and they still have a harder time. You know, there was just a um, a survey from expat, expat not internas- international, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. like an expat online group, online group. And based on the survey, Denmark is one of the hardest place to integrate to as an expat. Oh wow! I think number fifty
0: one out of fifty three countries. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> and when, what were some of the the, the 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 factors that were
1: leading to that that was the part that was um that that was very stark difference quality of life is great effect of finance is decent and a lot of things is great but the integration mm-hmm. part to the society to the community that's where mm-hmm. it's more difficult
0: yeah can can imagine so i I'm, I want to come back to your uh, uh, the story that you shared uh, last time we mm-hmm. met. Um, if you were to somehow, you know, be able to give your your younger self uh, some some piece of advice based on what you know now, yeah, I know it's a thought experiment, but but what are some of the things that 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 you would tell this this younger person? You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I think I I
1: think even if I say things like um, do this, do that. It's all the gift of hindsight right like if i had mm-hmm. if my per like um the best thing that i would have said it's just that you'll be fine do what you do do what you do do mm-hmm. uh, do your best and things will things will fall into place mm-hmm. there's no need to overly worry about it there's no need to lose sleep over it um keep on building the really keep on you know do what I uh, keep on doing. What you do, build those relationships. Try to be honest with yourself, accept yourselves, and yeah.
0: I sort of get the feeling that you that you were you're one of those that made it. I mean, when you look back, you know your own journey, your own progression. You've been, you know, obviously clever, smart, uh, fortunate in many ways. What about all the others? What about uh, those that didn't have the same opportunities for you? Oh, I would not be, I would
1: not be delusional. I am very privileged. Mm. Like I think um, I'm very blessed in the sense that uh, somehow, some way, mm. a lot of people trusted me. Mm. I went out from uh, university, for my bachelor's, and I went and I started to work at Microsoft. And that was uh, like, I had a very nice boss who trusted me in what I do and what I Mm -hmm. even though I was like, I had zero experience right as a fresh grad and that kicked off a good career. And I know a lot of people don't have that um, luck to start like that in the beginning. And I think nowadays there's a lot more ways um to be able to build those network and not to re- not to be afraid to reach out to people right mm. like i've had quite a few people reaching out directly to me on linkedin or through other even through facebook sometimes because it's um i think my uni had a uh, alumni group in the in facebook so some people do reach out and ask for advice and maybe ask for some references like hey, I would like to do this in my life. Like, I would like to find a career here. Do you know anyone? Can you help me break through to one or the other? And you don't get what you don't ask, Mm. which people often don't realize. When I applied for Microsoft, for example, um, 11 years ago, then 2012, 2013, and 11 years ago, um, I thought there's going to be like, you know, I was in a more IT focused company, 5,000 graduates um, every six months. And half of them, I think I think half of them is definitely related to technology. I would have expected, you know, hundreds, hundreds of applicants from my uni. But when I talked to the HR and such, I realized that it was not even a couple hundred oh, wow. that applied. And it was because a lot of them already put themselves down that, oh, I'm not gonna apply because what's the point, I'm not gonna get it. And that kind of mindset, it's not something people can help with. And that kind of mindset could help you turn your luck around because I wasn't born to a homeroom family. I wish I did, but I'm not. (laughs) I'm born to a middle-class family in Indonesia. So it was very important to be able to, you know, somehow, some way, build those relationships because in the end, you won't achieve
0: anything alone,
1: right?
0: Yeah. So it sounds like there's something about, you know, one thing is the, is the environment, but there's also something about putting yourself forward, you know. Um, I, I know certainly going through INSET, uh, EMC for me, and NBA for you, you yeah. know, it gives us access to certain rooms yes. that we would otherwise not have, have had access to. But once we're there, you know, it's up to us to act in a certain way. It's to, up to us to to so say get out of it whatever we want. And sometimes we can sit in the back row, sometimes we want to sit in the front, sometimes we wanna be on the podium, sometimes we wanna be the organizers, sometimes yeah. we wanna be the participants, right? But we all but it, it it it's really up to us, right? And I think um I, I, I think it's it's a very strong point to have that that uh you know, everything else can be perfect, but it's really up to ourselves to, to put our best uh, efforts forward. Amen. Right. Uh, so that, of course, requires you know, a lot of energy, some original thinking. Yes. Uh, but also the notion that, you know, I'm going to do this. It may not turn out exactly, you know, as I had expected. But if I if I don't apply or if I don't put my name on the hat, if I don't meet, uh, sign up for a specific event, yes. it, you know, nothing's going to happen. Right. Yes. It's very rare that things like fall out of the sky, except for the Danish flag. I'm sure you know from the from the Danish language test that <laughs> you told me you're taking. Right. <laughs> so um, just a little bit of magic there. But, you know, having said that, a lot of it really just comes out of our best efforts. Right. Indeed. And I mean, you know, we have to be smart. We have to be diligent, but we have to act. right? We have to really you know, do something about that. And I think. Just coming back to, to to your definition of of transformation, is it that it's just a change, just quote unquote, rapid is right? There's this element of it's just one change after another, right? And Indeed. and uh, I was uh, in, interviewing a person yesterday, and, and we talked about what 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 can instigate, what can start that transformation. Mm. And and in in that person's world, it was sort of the realization oh shoot Some, something has gone wrong you know then it's like a back to standard movement right yes. whereas and sometimes it's also about improving you know the performance or your way of life or whatever it is but here it's like you're taking a more proactive approach right there's something you can see something could be better you can see you can be in a better situation you can change something for, for others you can create a better mm. environment mm. Uh, help others be more successful right and um, they may not realize that that's what they need right now but with your experience and the things you've gone through and i'm a huge believer in you know experiential learning basically that we learn from the experiences Mm. that if we just jump jump from a to k Mm. you know we miss all the 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 learnings right and sure it's better just to have uh, the the final result in in two lines Mm. but it's not going to give us anything unless we actually have had all the experiences in between And this is like um, something interesting, there's two things
1: I would like to share. Sure. The first thing is about um, when you're on a good track, it's often sets your mind in a good position that you keep on going. Like it becomes a good wheel, it's a good path. But once you stumble, then you keep on like, oh, why did I fail? And oh, why did I fail? And you fail again and you fail again because you're so nervous about doing anything else. And you need to somehow stop that and refresh. And the second thing, this there's a research on this. Apparently, a lot of uh people in the LGBT community, especially gays and lesbians, are tend to be overachievers. Yes. And the research points out it because the I forgot where the research is from. Mm-hmm. Uh it's actually there's a book on it on and I forget the name, honestly. But basically it says that because a lot of gay lesbians are marginalized they feel marginalized they feel that they are lacking because of their sexual orientation they try to compensate it by overachieving in basically every other aspect in their lives and that was definitely true for quite a lot of the gays and lesbians that i've met also that might have applied a little bit uh, to me so there is a little bit of truth that um. Sometimes that situation, that background, when you feel um, disadvantaged in one way or another, maybe that can also be a drive that you need to
0: then overachieve on something else. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's interesting, you know, m- m- because motivation can come in many different forms, right? Sometimes it's, uh, you know, you get, you get uh, assigned to a certain mm-hmm. activity because, you know, you're the best person for the job. Sometimes it's because you were the only person that was in the office that day. Right? <laughs> sometimes it can be because nobody else wanted to do it, or yeah. sometimes it could be, you know, because you know everybody else has tried it and now it's up to you to fix it. Mm. So, you know, motivation and, and you know positions of, of opportunity can come from so many different places. Mm-hmm. As you say, it's 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 not always that it's just like the best shiny new things, right? Sometimes yeah. we, we, we need to do the laundry, sometimes we yeah. need to do the dishes. And um, then how we experience it. If we yes. can turn that into a good experience, maybe yes. having a conversation with our partner or yes. some some quiet time or some, like for instance, I listen to music. So actually I don't, I love to cook because it's an opportunity for me to to do just one thing. I, I don't need to worry or be concerned about other things. And I know if I look away, I'm gonna burn the food, right? So it forces yeah. my attention. And, um, you know, so if we can get, a, you know turn it into a positive thing mm. then it it's it's like the lighter side of life whereas we know that anything that we see as being difficult or tough or mm. hard it, it 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 drains us yes. so much more yes even though it's the same thing we're doing our experience is just different right yes and uh, you know so that's a like a positive psychology uh, approach to it absolutely
1: and i do recognize that for many people that um, motivation is a difficult thing to get right because then well, you're expending so much effort for things that are uncertain mm-hmm. like you don't know like if this thing that you do that you try so hard with will actually be, have an impact on you like in the long run just like you cook an instant noodle mm-hmm. and then you see okay the guide says three minutes but then like if i even if i let it be for like five ten minutes it just gets a little bit soggy it doesn't have any effect so why does it matter that i follow yeah like uh the instructions or such mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's an oversimplification but sometimes mm-hmm. with motivation do you need to get it right or do you just want to do randomly because it in the end it won't have any effect mm-hmm. and what do you what what does people have, what do you have in your mind, right? Which one affects you? Yeah.
0: Kristen, thank you so much for sharing your reflections. And uh, thank you for the conversation today about our associations together. I wanna thank you for, for taking the time to to share your very personal journey. And actually, I was very moved when I listened to the first recording. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I sort of paused and then I said that I wanted to ask you a personal question. Yeah. And I, I wanna thank you for for going along and, and answering uh, questions about your family and uh, your life. So uh, thank you for today. You're welcome, happy
1: to be part of this, Nick. And I'm looking forward to uh, hearing this on his life. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Transformations. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to like, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for your time and stay tuned for a new episode of Transformations. More episodes on the way.